good singing. And again, thank you so much for being with us uh, here in the service tonight. Hey, can I mention this? I, I uh, misspoke. In the words of our former president, I misspoke. Uh, Pam Lewis fell, not Pam Driver. I may have said Pam Driver, and I'm sorry about that, but Miss Pam Lewis. And so please remember, if you will, to pray for her, and I'll stick that in my pocket so when I go to the hospital in the morning, I'm not asking for the wrong one, all right? And it sure is good to see you, and I'm glad that you're here with us tonight. Let's take our... How many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? You hold up the Bible all over the building. And let me ask you to take your Bible now and turn and join us once again over the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, page number 1279, if you have an old Schofield Bible. And I want to move on tonight. I thought about going back to verse 6 and verse 7, and I kind of got bogged down in them verses, but we're going to move on tonight, all right? We're going to get out of those first six or seven verses. I think we spent three or four weeks in there, and so we'll move on tonight. So we'll begin reading verse 8 in just a moment. Let me uh, uh, just remind you, Brother Zach, hey, make your plans to be in Sunday school Sunday and hope you'll do that. I'm amazed. You know, sometimes on Sunday morning, uh, I have to go to my office or whatever to get ready to preach on Sunday morning sometimes. And so I'm amazed at the people who walk by the window on their way into service at, at 10 o'clock. And I'm thinking to myself, man, why didn't you come to Sunday school today? And uh, so and I'm not getting after you. I, I don't, well, I guess I am getting after you. But uh, I would be in Sunday school Sunday. I really would. Don't walk by the preacher's window. I mean, that's not good. Uh, walking by the preacher's window. Uh, come to Sunday school. Set the alarm clock. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to sleep or whatever. Set the alarm clock. Get up early. Come on to Sunday school, and uh, the Lord will bless you for doing so, okay? And uh, so that's at 9, and then preaching at 10. I hope you'll pray for a good day, a good day on this coming Sunday. I heard about these two men. They were actually veterans of World War II, and it has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on, but they were veterans of World War II, and they met over at the Pearl Harbor Memorial. Over in, uh, over in Hawaii, and one was from Japan, the other one was, was American. And so when they met there, they, you know, just maybe started passing some pleasantries, and then upon their further conversation, both found out they fought in World War II. And uh, the, the, the American guy, you know, was telling him what he did. He was on a battleship, and, and the other guy, whose name was Chow Main, and uh, he actually told the guy, he said, I was a kamikaze, kamikaze pilot in World War II. He said, now let me get this straight. You're a kamikaze pilot, but you're still alive. He said, that's right. He said, me, chicken chow mein. <laughs> Have you ever wondered why they wire those kamikaze pilots wore those helmets? I don't know. It's a deep question. It requires some very deep thinking. Why do kamikaze pilots wear, wear hats? Yes. Let's read. This is not going good. Look at verse 8, all right? Maybe the message will be better than the jokes. Look at verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle. 
and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause, we just sang about this, for the which cause I, suffer, I, I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. Now look at that. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against. And I want you to say these last two words with me. Against that day. Against that day. Let's pray. Father, would you bless your word and speak to our hearts tonight in this service? And Thank you for people that love the Lord and love their church and show up on a soggy, wet Wednesday night. They come on to church anyway. Thank you for their faithfulness. And I pray you'd bless us. Make it worth our while. God, by giving us something from the Bible that will encourage us and help us along this journey, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, for the past several Wednesday evenings that I've been here, we have been making our way through the book, New Testament book of 2 Timothy. I'm calling this series of sermons, I'm calling it the Manual for Maturity. As I've been reading through 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, I find that 1 Timothy would probably be called a manual for new converts because in reality, Paul goes over a lot of things in 1 Timothy just about how to care and, and to take care of your new converts. Good book, 1 Timothy. But as we move into 2 Timothy, it seems like he's dealing more with the stamp, from the standpoint of maturity because as we know as believers, it is God's desire for us to grow and develop in our walk with God and grow and develop in our faith and to become a mature child of God. We're told over in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We all know that when we come into God's family, we do so as a babe in Christ. But it's not God's intention for us to stay in that infancy stage of our, of our Christian experience. It's God's will for us to begin to grow and mature in the things of God. The Bible said in 1 Peter 2 and verse number 2 that when we come into God's families, we do so as newborn babes and we desire the sincere milk, the pure milk of the Word of God that we may grow thereby. Boy, it's an exciting time when babies are born into a family. We've had three babies born into our family, and I remember how exciting those times were to go to the hospital and have those babies. Of course, us men really have a hard time. When you ladies are in labor, we really struggle with all that. But uh, God helps us and gets us through it, praise the Lord. And, uh, and then we bring those babies home, and boy, I'll tell you, it just tears up Jack around the house for a while. But it is an exciting time. And we all, most of us in here, have had that experience before. But it's God's plan. We know when we bring our babies home, we don't want to keep them a baby. Now, I know, I know how we are. Boy, I just wish they could stay like this. But in reality, you don't because there's something wrong with babies that don't grow and don't mature. We've all seen that before. Because of some type of physical abnormality, babies do not grow. It is a tragedy when that happens, but it's a greater tragedy still when a child of God comes into God's family and they don't mature or grow in their Christian life. It's sad when somebody's been saved for 30 years and you still got to stick a passy in their mouth and pet them and pamper them to get them to do what the Bible says for them to do. It's time to grow up. Can I have an amen? It is time if you've walked in, it is God's plan that we walk on until we walk out. Amen. When you walk in, you come into God's family, you walk into the family, 
God wants us to begin to, the process of walking on because it ain't going to be long until we walk out. Now, the problem is, between that walking in and walking out, the problem is that many people walk off. Am I right? Those who walk in and, and start walking on, sometimes they walk out. You know, everybody in this room has had the bitter experience and the disappointing experience of seeing somebody who comes into God's family, man acts like they're going to set the world on fire, and then six months, six years later, you can't find them. You know what happened? They walked off. Man... I appreciate people who walk on and are not going to quit walking until they walk out some of these days. And that's God's plan. Walk in, walk on, not walk off until we walk out. Amen. And that is God's plan. You know, we oftentimes get excited. I was, we, love, we live on a dirt road and we have no street lights on our road whatsoever. It is dark as midnight. Uh, I mean, it is midnight, but I mean, it's dark. Uh, at nighttime around our house. There are no lights around us at all. And uh, so, you know, you just walk out. And, I mean, when it's clear and pretty, especially on a cold night, see those stars up there twinkling, and it almost looks like they're so close you can just reach out and touch them, how big they are, how, how, how bright they are. But do you ever walk out on your deck or maybe in the front yard one night and you see those shooting stars go across the atmosphere, I mean, fly across, and we get so excited about that. I remember one long ago I was on the back deck and, man, two or three come across the sky that night and I went in and got my wife. I said, hey, you got to get out. There's a meteor shower or something going on. you got to watch this. I mean, these stars are flying. But, you know, so we get excited about that. But what really ought to excite us more is those millions that are still right where God put them at on the morning of creation. They hadn't, they hadn't left their assigned place. They're still right where they're supposed to be reflecting the light of the S-O-N Son of God. Boy, I thank God for people. Hey, I love to see people saved, but I tell you, and I praise God for that, and I want to see that, but I also thank God for people that just, just keeps on shining. I mean, man, they ain't all interested in flying off and flying out. I mean, they keep on living for God as God intended for them to do. I think about that verse in Philippians that Paul said, I thank God for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Thank God to, uh, for that until now crowd. Amen. We got too many that walk in, walk on, and then walk off. I'm not at all interested on walking off. Well, that's what the book of 2 Timothy is all about. Hey, walk on. Mature in your life and walk on for the glory of God. Now, I want to show you something tonight, and I had you to repeat these words after me, the last words of verse number 12. And Paul is writing about that day, that day. Now, if you've ever read, and, and, and if you count the book of Hebrews, some people don't. But if you count the book of Hebrews as being written by Paul, he wrote 14 of our 27 New Testament books. And if you don't count the book of Hebrews, then he wrote 13 of them. But, uh, and you can be wrong if you want to. <laughs> but if you count the book of Hebrews, and you just start going through those 14 books, you'll find out that on the, the calendar of the Apostle Paul, he only had two days on his calendar. And here they are. Today and that day. Today. You know, Paul said some great things about today. For instance, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2, if you'll notice there, the last phrase there said this, Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
Today is the day to be saved. You can't go back to yesterday. We don't even know if we're going to have a tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Proverbs 27, 1. All we got's today. You can't wait till tomorrow to start trying to live for God. You've got to do it today. And Paul has got that today, that mentality, today. In fact, he said this, if you count the book of Hebrews, over in chapter 3, verse number 7, Paul said, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice. And then the next verse said this, Harden not your heart. Hey, the best time to obey God is today. Amen. To delay is to... To delay is to disobey. The best time to obey God is today. So the first day that Paul had on his calendar is today, but boy, he sure did write about a lot about that day. Now, what is that day? Paul said there, I've committed unto him against that day. That day that he's talking about is the day when Jesus comes, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Paul is writing there in verse 12, and he said, I've committed unto him against that day, the day when Jesus comes again. Now look at me. Here's what I want to preach on tonight. I want to preach on this thought, passing days till the perfect day. You see, when that day comes, guess what? We're going to be perfect. Amen? Amen. The Bible said over 1 John 3, is it verse 2? Uh, Beloved, now are we the sons of God? It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's going to come a day we're going to be like Jesus. That's going to be a great day. That day. We sing about that a lot. We sang, the first song we sang about tonight was about the second coming. And, and then we, we sang a minute, a minute ago about that day. And we talk a lot about that day. What a day that day will be. It's going to be a good day when Jesus comes again because we are going to be perfect. That's going to be a great day. I'm not perfect right now. Are you? I count not myself to have apprehended, as Paul said. I'm not there yet. I'm working. I'm, I'm striving. I'm trying. I'm still a work in progress. Y'all pray for me, but I'm not there yet. But you wait till that day. And what about you? You wait till that day. But what I'm worried about is passing these days to get to that day. And Paul, in our text tonight, beginning verse number 8, and going down through verse number 12, says, okay, Get your prayer sheet out. He said, there's four things you don't have to be while we're waiting on that day. All right? Now, we're waiting. We're striving toward maturity. Boy, we want to grow up in our faith. We want to become the child of God that God intends for us to be. So there are four things we don't need to be as we wait till that day or as we pass these days waiting on the perfect day. All right? Write these things down. Number one, look at verse 8. Number one, do not, don't be ashamed. Hey, while we're waiting on the perfect day, let's pass these days out. Don't be ashamed. Look at verse 8. Paul said, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me as prisoner. Paul said, don't be ashamed. I got to thinking about this. If you'll look down at verse number 12 again, Paul talked about it again, being ashamed. He said in verse 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Paul goes on, look over in verse 16, same chapter, verse 16. The Lord give, unto the, uh, give mercy unto the house of Anessa for us, for he hath oft refreshed me and was not, there's that word again, ashamed. You know what Paul said? Hey, while we're waiting on the perfect day, let's pass these days. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. And then I got to looking at verse 8, 
And he said this, there are three things we don't need to be ashamed of. First of all, look at verse 8. Listen, number one, don't be ashamed of the Master. Can I borrow Brother J.T.'s words? Don't be ashamed of the Master. Look at verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Amen. As we're waiting for the perfect day, let's don't be ashamed of the Master. You remember I told you last week that one of the problems that comes along with maturity is the fact that we lose our boldness. You remember that? You know, you would think just the opposite. You would think, you, you would think that the older you get in the Lord, the more bolder you become in the Lord. But isn't it a sight that new converts puts the older crowd to shame? Because when they get first get saved, I mean, all they're about, they're just about telling everybody about Jesus. And those of us that are older and know the books of the Bible and know some of the doctrines of the Bible and are a little bit further down the road, most of the time we sit around in complete, utter silence when it comes to Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the Master. Yes, sir. Too often times we get intimidated. Too often times we become fearful. Many times, the older we get in the Lord, the more strangely quiet about Jesus we become. And it's not that we don't have the opportunities. We just don't use them. Whether it's fear, intimidation, or whatever. Hey, we're waiting on the perfect day. It's just around the corner. Hey, until then, let's don't be ashamed of the Master. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our... Don't be ashamed of Jesus. You know, the Bible said this. The Bible seems to indicate in Matthew 10, 32 that if we're ashamed of Him, He's going to be ashamed of us. If we don't confess Him before men, He'll not confess us before the Father. So here, here's, I got this in my mind. I may be dead wrong about this, but I think every time you and I speak up about Jesus, I think Jesus is up in heaven telling the Father, Hey, Father, listen, He just down there, He just confessed me. That's one of mine down there. When we confess down here, He confesses over there. I mean, hey, let's don't be ashamed of the Master. Number two, look again at verse 8. Paul said, don't be ashamed of the Master. But number two, Paul said, don't be ashamed of the man. Look again at verse number 8. Be not there, thou for, therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. But then he said this, nor of me his prisoner. Now, I don't know. I don't know if Timothy, and we do know that Timothy was a little bit intimidated. He was a little bit shy. Uh, what's the word they use for that? Maybe introverted a little bit, and maybe Paul was maybe pumping him up here a little bit. We know he had some struggles, and he and he. Some people think he had and, and, uh, digestive problems. Maybe he was eat up with ulcers or whatever because he was just he's just nervous and and maybe a little bit fearful. And Paul said, "Now Timothy, come on now, come on, don't be ashamed of the master." And Timothy, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed. Uh, of the man. Hey, don't be ashamed of God's people. Hey, I'm not, I'm not a bit ashamed of y'all. Uh, hey, those people who genuinely and sincerely love the Lord, hey, don't be ashamed of that crowd. You ever noticed this before? Maybe you were out with somebody and you were eating lunch or supper or whatever the case may be, and man, that old boy, that waitress come over there or whatever, and that old boy that you was out to eat with, man, he crawled on her about Jesus. And there you sit thinking... I wish he would just hush. You ever been there before? Don't look down. We ain't praying right now. I tell you what, Brother J.T. Lyons embarrassed the fool out of you. Am I right? 
the bigger they are, the, more, the harder he went after them. Brother Ricky was telling me one day they went out to eat over there to the uh, Golden Corral before they tore it down over there. This big old Hell's Angel guy walked in over there. And uh, Brother Ricky said, man, I didn't say anything to him about Jesus. He said, Brother J.T. crawled on him. And, and if we're not careful, sometimes we get a little bit ashamed of God's people. Paul said, don't be ashamed of the master. Hey, don't be ashamed of the man. Don't be ashamed of the people. You ever notice this? You get with the crowd. Maybe they're a little vocal about their, uh, their, uh, their salvation. And, man, they're happy about it. And maybe you're sitting there beside them thinking, man, I wish they'd calm down about this just a little bit. Hey, can I tell you something? This is the quietest world we're ever going to live in. When we get over there, we're all going to be shouting and hooping and hollering over there. And I think it's probably okay if we got a little bit excited about it down here. Amen? Don't be ashamed of the master. Don't be ashamed. Paul said, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the, of the man. And by the way, Paul at this time is in jail. He's in bonds. He talks about his chains. Maybe some people were a little bit ashamed of him. Maybe they're saying, our preacher's in jail. Our preacher's locked up in bonds. He's wearing chains and shackles. And maybe they were a little bit ashamed of his chains and his shackles, but he was there because of his love for Jesus. Hey, listen, we all ought to be on fire a little bit more for Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the, uh, of the master. Don't be ashamed of the man. But then notice again in verse 8, don't be ashamed of the message. Look again at verse 8, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Hey, we don't have to be ashamed of the message that we've got to tell. Don't be ashamed of, uh, of the death and the burial and the resurrection. That's the gospel. You don't have to be ashamed of that. You know, in our day, that's kind of being called on the carpet just a little bit. Virgin birth. How preposterous. You believe that, and they, and they want to intimidate us. They want to make us kind of feel feel embarrassed because we believe that our Savior was born of a virgin. You say, preacher, explain it. I can't explain it, but I tell you this, I can't explain it, but you try to explain it away, you'll lose your soul. I had an article, I read an article in the news not long ago that said this, how can one man dying for everybody save anybody? They want to take that and try to intimidate us because that's what we believe. Jesus died on the cross for everybody so that everybody could be saved. You say, preacher, how does that work? God put all of our sins on him. Best way I can explain it and punish his own son. And if we'll accept the payment that he made, guess what? You can be saved. Welcome to the family. And they want to make us feel bad and intimidated because we believe that. I would have tell you 10,000 times I believe that. And I don't have to take a back seat to anybody at resurrection. You ever seen anybody die and get up and walk off? I preached a lot of funerals, but I never seen nobody get up and walk away out of the graveyard, but I know one who did. You say, explain how that worked. I don't know how it worked. God put life back in the dead body of his boy and brought him out of the grave. I don't, get, I don't understand all that, but I know this. I believe it. I know that Bible teaches it. I don't have to be ashamed of that. You don't have to be ashamed of that. What I'm saying is, as we pass the days to the perfect day, don't be ashamed. Number two, look again now at verse 9. As we pass the days to the perfect day, don't be ashamed. Number two, don't be asleep. Don't be asleep. Now, if I understand verse 9 correctly, I think what I get out of verse 9 is this. God saved me for a purpose. Let me read it to you. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. And by the way, I appreciate these next five words. 
not according to our works. Why did you get saved? Well, God looked down, saw me doing the best I could, and God saved me. Are you kidding me? The Bible said there's none good, no, not one. Hey, the Bible said we all are like an open sceptre. We all are like a, uh, we're all lost and on our way to hell. There's nothing good about any of us. God, according to His own holy purposes, his, uh, his ho He saved us and called us with a holy, not according to our works, but notice now, but according to His own purpose and grace. Now, I kind of get from that, God had a purpose for saving me. There was, a, there was a reason behind why God saved me. And the reason that God saved me, in verse number 11, Paul, talk, Paul talks about being a preacher and an apostle, a preacher, one who heralds, a, a, an apostle, one who sent, a teacher, one who teaches. God called us and saved us. You know why? So we could carry the message of the gospel to the lost of humanity. But the fact of the matter is too many of us I mean, the older we get, the more calloused and immune we come to all that. You know, you'd think just the opposite. You would think the older we get in the Lord, the more on fire we would be. You would think the older we get in the Lord, the more, the more uh, conscious we'd be of lost people around us. But how many of us just go days and weeks and months at a time and never tell anybody about the Lord? And we're old in the Lord. I got saved when I was 16. I'm 57. Let's see, that's, uh, y'all help me, 41 years now that I've been saved. This coming March be 41 years that I've been saved. Buddy, how long have how you been saved? So we've been saved 60 years now, 70 years. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you walked somebody down the aisle? When's the last time we baptized somebody in the baptistry that you led to Christ? Amen. Hey, let's, you know what happens? If we're not careful, what happens is this. We get saved, we're on fire, and then that fire cools down. Then we just, like everybody else, just, just nod off to sleep. Amen. And we forget that God saved us and called us with a holy calling, with a purpose in mind. And that purpose is to bring others into the family of God. Tragically, too many of God's people are spiritual Rip Van Winkles. You remember his story? went to sleep when King Henry VIII was on the throne, woke up, George Washington was president, slept through the whole Revolutionary War, slept through the whole conception of the United States uh, of America, slept one of the greatest hours of history, and what's going on in the church? I said, Jesus is coming. That day's just around the corner. Yeah. Don't be asleep. We're waiting on that day. It's just around the corner, friend. Hey, wake up. Wake up, the Bible said. You know, some of the craziest things in all the world happened while people slept in the Bible. Can I tell you this? Samson lost his hair. Delilah gave him a haircut he never got over while he was asleep. You know, those enemy, that enemy, while those sowers were sleeping, the enemy came in and sowed the tares among the wheat while they were sleeping. Jesus, the bridegroom, came back and all ten of them virgins was asleep. Crazy things happens in the Bible. While people, that's why, you know why they put you to sleep when they do, when do surgery on you? They can take out what they want to. You'll never be none the wiser. They can go in there and take your tithe out. You'd never know that. That's the reason we're told in the Bible this right here. Therefore, let us not, let's read this together. Therefore, let us not as do 
but let us and be... Look at this verse. The Bible said over the book of Romans 13 that knowing the time that now it is high time to what? Wake out of sleep. It's time to wake up. That day's coming. Hey, don't you let the devil rock you to sleep. Don't you understand? Don't you ever get to the place that you are, you are asleep and you forget there's a purpose behind God saving you. There's a reason that He saved you. And it what's just not to take you to heaven. He's got a purpose for your life. Don't you go to sleep. Number one, don't be... What was I saying, number one? Number one, don't be ashamed. Number two, don't be asleep. Look at verse 12, number three. Waiting on the perfect day. Don't be adrift. Don't be adrift. Look at verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I, I, I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now watch this. You would think again, the older you get in the Lord, not only the more bolder you'd become, but the older you get on the Lord, the more on fire for Jesus you'd become. But how many of us know that the two great problems of maturity is boldness and coldness? How many of us know in this room tonight, I have to battle this every day, I'm older than the Lord. I didn't know, I, didn't, I, I bet I couldn't quote you two verses of the Bible when I got saved. Maybe John 3.16, maybe that one, and maybe, I don't know, Genesis 1.1, maybe. Been in church all my life. I didn't know anything about the Bible. But now I'm a little bit of ways down the road. If I had to, if I had to with a little help, I probably tonight could quote the first eight chapters of the book of Matthew. I mean, I've come down the road now a little ways. I've tried to commit verses to memory. I know you can't tell it, but I've tried to commit verses to my memory about the Bible. And you know something? Sometimes I was as, I'm as cold as a hound's nose on God. Now, you would think, being this far down the road, what I say, 40, what did you say, Brother Hayes? 41 years being saved. You would think, man, the one thing would be way behind me in the rearview mirror is cold, a cold attitude on Jesus. But can I tell you something? I battle that every day of my life. Sometimes I'm as cold as the other side of the pillow. That's pretty cold. You ever notice you flip that thing over in the middle of the night? Woo! Fluff it up. Cold. Sometimes we're as cold as the other side of the pillow on the Lord. Don't be adrift. If there's ever been a day you need to stay close to Jesus... It's in these days right before that day. If there's ever been a day that we ought to, we ought to grow hotter and, and uh, bright, burn brighter for Jesus, it's in these days. Paul said, I know whom I believe. I've got that settled. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hey, don't be adrift. Don't drift. Stay close to Jesus. I'm telling you, it's easy to drift, ain't it? I was reading an article in one of these Field and Streams magazines, and it talked about these, uh, these boys that were out on this boat, and uh, something happened to the motor on their boat, and they just started drifting, and for days and days and days, they just drifted until they got miles and miles and miles. It's really a miracle of God. I mean, they just about give them up for dead. They just flew them planes out looking for them, and what happened was they just, they just drifted. They just drift. And it's easy just to drift with the tides. Friend, if you're going to stay close to Jesus and stay on fire for God in these last days, you're going to have to put forth an effort to do that. 
It ain't just going to accidentally happen. The devil's not going to tap you on the shoulder before you go to bed and I said, you read your Bible today. He's not going to remind you, hey, did you pray? Don't be adrift. And then lastly, watch this. So we don't be, we don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Number two, don't, don't be asleep. Number three, don't be adrift. And then number four, don't be alarmed. Now, what am I saying? Well, if you'll notice in some of these verses, Paul talks about suffering. Look back in verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor be, but be thou partakers of the... And then he uses the word, the afflictions of the gospel. In other words, he makes it sound like that, man, there's going to be some problems that come along with the gospel. Then he jumps on down in verse 12, and he talks about, for the, uh, for the which cause I also suffer. There it is again. Suffer these things. Paul makes it sound like that, I mean, if we try to live for God, and we're not ashamed, and we're not adrift, and we're not asleep, and whatever else I said, if we're not any of those things, Paul kind of makes it sound like we're going to have to pay the price for that. We shouldn't be alarmed to the fact that as we get closer and closer to that day, that uh, the more prevalent suffering and afflictions are going to come upon God's people. We are seeing that right before our very eyes in our own nation. Did you watch the speech last night? I, I told, we were eating lunch today, and I told people who was eating lunch with this, it looked like a big old church split to me. And I'm, I'm not saying President Trump is a pastor, but it kind of looks like he's in a position of the pastor, and he's got half the churches for him and half the churches against him. I mean, it kind of looks like a big old church split to me up there, don't it you? But can I tell you something? People are not growing more, more warm toward the gospel. They're becoming more hostile toward it. We're living in a society that is increasingly becoming more antagonistic toward people who believe the Bible. Hey, man, they think we're the problem. They think we're crazy. They think we're the problem because we believe the Bible. You, uh, what is they call those people that believe in the end times and they call them, what's that name they give to them? You, uh, yeah, doomsday, whatever. You, you're, your people are crazy, man. You apocalyptic crowd. You're in a papa, papa list, whatever. I, I like popcorn. You are, you're crazy, man. You're a doomsday cult. Somebody told me the other day, they invited somebody to church, said, I'm not coming over there to that cult. <laughs> you know you part of the cult, did you? But, uh, man, they're looking at us like we're the problem. I read just this week, I'm done, listen to this. I read this week, this is not here in America, but it's over in Switzerland. But in Switzerland, they, they have an airline over there called the Swiss Airlines, and they're dropping, now listen, they're dropping their contract, and I, I hope I'm saying this, with Lauderock chocolates. Now let me tell you what the article said. It said, for quite a while, Swiss Airlines has served their passenger, uh, passengers this branded chocolate. As a treat, by the way, it must be good chocolate, but it, as a treat, they give this particular brand of chocolate to those who fly on their, air, on their airplanes. Well, Johannes Lauderock, who is the head of the Lauderock Chocolate Company, is a Bible-believing Christian. He, uh, he is a proponent of biblical marriage between a man and a woman. He is a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an anti-abortion. He's pro-life. 
and he's against the LBGTQRSTUVWXYZ. He's against them. And so guess what the airline said? Well, if this is the way it's going to be, we're not going to buy any more of your chocolates anymore. And they cut off their deal with Lauder Rock chocolates because one man just believes the Bible. Now, I'm going to tell you something, friend. That's coming to you, and that's coming to me. You say, well, we got Trump in the White House right now, and he's undoing And by the way, thank God for that, but we don't know what's just around the corner. And there's going to come a time we're going to have to suffer for our faith. And the afflictions are coming. I said that to say this. When it happens, don't be alarmed. The Bible said it's going to be like this. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. But don't you be ashamed. Don't you be asleep. Don't you be adrift. And when it comes, don't you be alarmed. Because look, that day is just around the corner. Amen? So let's pass these days till the perfect day. Well, let's pray. Father.